Section 30 of A Book of Sibyls by Anne Thackeray Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mrs. Opie, Part 8. Adeline Mowbray, or Mother and Daughter, was published by Mrs. Opie after this visit to the continent. It is a melancholy and curious story, which seems to have been partly suggested by that of poor Mary Wollstonecraft, whose prejudices the heroine shares and expiates by a fate hardly less pathetic than that of Mary herself. The book reminds one of a very touching letter from Godwin's wife to Amelia Alderson, written a few weeks before her death in which she speaks of her contempt for the forms of a world she should have bade a long good-night to had she not been a mother justice has at length been done to this mistaken but noble and devoted woman and her story has lately been written from a wider point of view than mrs opie's though she indeed was no ungenerous advocate her novel seems to have given satisfaction a beautiful story the most natural in its pathos of any fictitious narrative in the language says the edinburgh writing with more leniency than authors now expect another reviewer speaking with discriminating criticism says of mrs opie she does not reason well but she has like most accomplished women the talent of perceiving truth without the process of reasoning her language is often inaccurate but it is always graceful and harmonious she can do nothing well that requires to be done with formality to make amends however she represents admirably everything that is amiable generous and gentle adeline mowbray dies of a broken heart with the following somewhat discursive farewell to her child there are two ways in which a mother can be of use to her daughter the one is by instilling into her mind virtuous principles and by setting her a virtuous example the other is by being to her in her own person an awful warning one or two of opie's letters to his wife are given in the memoir they ring with truth and tender feeling the two went to norwich together on one occasion when opie painted dr sayers the scholar who in return for his portrait applied an elegant greek distich to the painter mrs opie remained with her father and her husband soon returned to his studio in london when she delayed he wrote to complain my dearest life i cannot be sorry that you do not stay longer though as i said on your father's account i would consent to it pray love forgive me and make yourself easy i did not suspect till my last letter was posted that it might be too strong i had been counting almost the hours till your arrival for some time as to coming down again i cannot think of it for though i could perhaps better spare the time at present from painting than i could at any part of the last month i find i must now go hard to work to finish my lectures as the law says they must be delivered the second year after the election the academy had appointed opie professor of painting in the place of fuseli and he was now trying his hand at a new form of composition and not without well-deserved success but the strain was too great for this eager mind opie painted all day of an evening he worked at his lectures on painting from september to february he allowed himself no rest he was not a man who worked with ease all he did cost him much effort and struggle 
after delivering his first lecture he complained that he could not sleep it had been a great success his colleagues had complimented him and accompanied him to his house he was able to complete the course but immediately afterwards he sickened no one could discover what was amiss the languor and fever increased day by day his wife nursed him devotedly and a favorite sister of his came to help her afterwards it was of consolation to the widow to remember that no hired nurse had been by his bedside and that they had been able to do everything for him themselves one thing troubled him as he lay dying it was the thought of a picture which he had not been able to complete in time for the exhibition a friend and former pupil finished it and brought it to his bedside he said with a smile take it away it will do now to the last he imagined he was painting upon this picture and he moved his arms as though he were at work his illness was inflammation of the brain he was only forty-five when he died and he was buried in st paul's and laid by sir joshua his great master the portrait of opie as it is engraved in allan cunningham's life is that of a simple noble-looking man with a good thoughtful face and a fine head northcote nolkins horn took and all his friends spoke warmly of him a man of powerful understanding and ready apprehension says one mr opie crowds more wisdom into a few words than almost anybody i ever saw says another i do not say that he was always right says northcote but he always put your thoughts into a new track that was worth following some two years after his death the lectures which had cost so much were published with a memoir by mrs opie sir james mackintosh has written one of his delightful criticisms upon the book the cultivation of every science and the practice of every art are in fact a species of action and require ardent zeal and unshaken courage originality can hardly exist without vigour of character the discoverer or inventor may indeed be most eminently wanting in decision in the general concerns of life but he must possess it in those pursuits in which he is successful opie is a remarkable instance of the natural union of these superior qualities both of which he possesses in a high degree he is inferior in elegance to sir joshua but he is superior in strength he strikes more though he charms less opie is by turns an advocate a controvertist a panegyrist a critic sir joshua more uniformly fixes his mind on general and permanent principles and certainly approaches more nearly to the elevation and tranquillity which seem to characterize the philosophic teacher of an elegant art End of section thirty.